Our preaching cohort continues here. Uh, one of the great joys of my summer is to be able to hang out with a bunch of young guys who are preaching God's Word, digging in 6.30 on Wednesday mornings, digging into Scripture together. And, uh, Eggs and bacon, too. Oh, hot mic. coffee. You should come. It's a lot of fun. And so, uh, <coughs> Dave, you, some of you might have met back in the spring here. You were here yeah. two times. Your Dave is a good buddy. He goes way back. Yeah. So like 10 years ago, Rush Road Bible Church. And so, it is so good to welcome him back here to Redemption yeah. City. He is a proud graduate now. Yeah. Theological Seminary. Yeah. Graduated at the same time Sebastian did. And so That's for go. That's right. In the threat. He's right now, he's a pastoral resident at Rush and he's looking at in the job search, I mean, he is like making, he's in the thick of it. Yeah. Preaching sermons, uh, getting his uh, resume out there, and doing lots of work. And so, man, Dave, it's a privilege yeah, to have you Thank back. you, Mike. So, to see what God's going to be saying to you this morning. So. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Hey, what's going on, Redemption City? Good to be with you all. Good morning. You guys feeling a little awake? Still waking up there? Yeah? All right, awesome. Well, um, Maybe this will wake you up as we talk about something we all love discussing, taking tests, yeah? We all love taking tests, right? But um, what, I, what I think about ta- just this idea of taking tests, it's just this opportunity for us to see how we measure up. And not only that, tests give us an opportunity to see how others measure up, too. We know this. This is the world we live in. We go to a restaurant to see, are we going to return? And even maybe more importantly, are we going to go onto Reddit and make a recommendation? Are we, we, do, we see this in the way that we interview people for jobs. We test to see whether or not we want to hire them. Uh, we do this with our vehicles to just get them tested to see, is this something we want to buy? Is this something I want to continue driving? Tests give us just this opportunity not only to see how we measure up, but also to see how others measure up. And it's no different in the Bible that when we open the scriptures, we just see this whole theme of testing from cover to cover. Specifically in our text this morning, when we go to 1 John 4, And we read just the first verses. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but what? Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Know right here that we're given an opportunity not to be the tested, but to be the testers. We're given an opportunity here not to be the testers, to be the tested, but to be the testers. And what I find is that this is actually a break. It's a departure from the pattern we see in Scripture. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Bible Project before. Yeah, they got this fascinating video on just the biblical theme of the test. And uh, one of their just resident scholar, the, uh, one of the dudes that founded the Bible Project is this guy, Tim Mackey. And Summarizing the theme of the test in the Bible, he says this. The theme of the test begins in the Garden of Eden when God presents the humans with two trees. 
This theme is carried through the biblical story leading up to Jesus, and it continues in the lives of Jesus' followers today. Prior to this summary, though, he lists two examples of the main pattern we see in the Bible on this entire theme of testing. Number one, what we see in this pattern is that sometimes God tests people. Sometimes God tests people. And I love it because Mackie, in just kind of unpacking that there, says this. He says it almost always happens because God wants to give them a chance to demonstrate two things, trust and loyalty, loyalty and trust. It's not in order to trap people. Rather, it's giving them this opportunity to showcase to God, to let him experience trust and loyalty as only two friends can experience it. Think about Abraham. In the moment that God calls him to sacrifice his son Isaac, it's a test. It's a test to see the true nature of Abraham's trust and loyalty to him. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar with that story, just know, in the end, God, just as the knife is about to go down, stops Abraham from sacrificing his son. So it does have a happy ending. Sometimes God tests people in Scripture. But that's not the only pattern we see there. The second pattern we see on this theme of testing in the Bible is that sometimes God's people They test God. Not only does God test his people, but sometimes we see God's people testing God himself. And on this note, Tim makes this point. It's almost always because of a lack of trust. He continues by saying that they demand that God prove himself. And here we can just think about the story of the people of Israel wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. And that first generation out of Egypt especially. I mean, I'm thinking here in the book of Numbers, specifically chapter Numbers chapter 14. There in verses 22 and 23, after they just blow their opportunity to step into the promised land, Rebellion and disobedience, they just exasperate God. And in his divine exasperation with them, says these words to Moses, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times. And have not obeyed my voice, they shall not see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. Sometimes in the Bible, God tests his people, but also other times in the Bible, God's people test God. But in our text today, we see a shift in that pattern. No longer here do we see God testing his people. No longer do we see God's people testing God. Here we see God calling his people 
that tests the spirits. God calling his people to test the spirits. And what I just hope that we will see in the shift of this pattern is this vision restore of a restored partnership. To see in this shift of the pattern a vision of a restored partnership between God and his people. A restored partnership we lost all the way back in the garden. By calling us to test the spirits, God is not calling us to fall on one of two ends of the spectrum. He's not calling us on the one hand to be spiritually naive. But on the other hand, he's not calling us to be spiritually cynical. Somewhere between being spiritually cynical and spiritually naive, God in this text is calling his people to be spiritually discerning. Spiritually discerning. And here's the interesting thing that I find about when we take God at his word and we walk down the aisle of being spiritually discerning people. On the one hand, the people on this side of the aisle, the naive, we're going to come across as looking spiritually cynical. But then for those who are on the other side of the aisle and are spiritually cynical, for those who are pursuing a path of spiritual discernment, for the cynical, they're going to look naive. But in the eyes of Jesus... Those who walk the path of being spiritually discerning look neither naive nor cynical, but obedient and loving to him. Loving and obedient. And so here's just my hope that we will walk away from this text this morning. It's just plain and simple. This, that faith that's assured is faith that discerns. Faith that discerns is faith. Faith that is assured is faith that discerns. And the, the reality is that we're, we're being bombarded every day with messages. Are we discerning where they're coming from? Are we considering the source? TikTok, podcasts, social media feed... News outlets, email subscriptions. While we might think that the source is coming from the minds of the people who are creating that content, John begs to differ because he sees that there is a deeper source to the messages that we may or may not be receiving, the messages we may or may not be discerning. I mean, you think about just as Paul says the battle belongs is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers of darkness of this present age. In the same way, we're discerning not whether or not it's a human source. We're discerning what spirit is this coming from? Is it coming from the spirit of God or something completely different? And so this morning, we're going to dive right into this text. We're actually going to pick up where we left off. We're going to pick up where we left off in John chapter 3, starting in verses 23 and 24. And what we're going to see here is something new 
in John's letter he's introducing. Something new he's introducing there that then he expands upon in the text we read aloud this morning. So check that out with me right there in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 23. It reads, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he commanded it. And verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. How? We know that God abides in us with this assurance by the Spirit whom he has given us. By the Spirit whom he has given us. And here we're just introduced to a new theme in John's letter. The new theme we're introduced to in John's letter here is the Spirit of God. And that's specifically seen in verse 24. Notice just how John assures his readers here. How does he assure them that God abides in them? It's out of the infinite abundance of God's generosity toward them through his Spirit. I mean, I just think about it like this. God's Spirit given to us. God's Spirit dwelling in us, which then leads to what he calls us to do next. God's Spirit discerning through us. Check it out here in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but what? Test. Test every spirit. Consider the source to see whether it is from God. This whole idea of the Spirit of God being given to us, dwelling in us, discerning through us. Just know that this takes us all the way very back to the very first pages of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we are introduced right there on page 1. To not just in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but we are introduced to the one through whom God is creating everything. Look with me over at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we read that the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the what? Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos waters of pre-creation, over the face of the waters. You just got to know that for a good Jew, like John was, we're reading the letter of a dude steeped in Torah, steeped in the first five books of the Bible. I mean, my goodness, in synagogue school, this would have been burned and just frozen into their hearts and minds as little Talmudim, as little disciples of the local synagogue rabbi. They would have had this burned in their heart to know that in the beginning was God 
And in the beginning, by the Spirit of God, everything came into existence. And when we read about how he opens up this text here, it's just like he's lavishing assurance upon his readers. Lavishing upon them this assurance that the God who hovered over the pre-creation darkness and chaos waters, that same God is not just given to you, not just lives in you, but is going to discern through you what I'm calling you to do next. To not just believe every spirit, but to test the spirits. This is a task we cannot do apart from God. Do you know this? What I find so critical for us to understand here is just the why. The why behind the what. When we understand why, what we are called to do then becomes that much more significant. And we see it in the second half of verse 1 here. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. We know that prophets in John's day and even going back further even to Deuteronomy, this idea of false prophets is nothing new. In fact, even going back to Deuteronomy chapter 13, you can reference it. We won't go there right now. But maybe later on this week, if you really want to dive out, dive in a little further and nerd out a little more, check out Deuteronomy 13. And you can see the echoes that John is drawing from there to give this litmus test in the New Covenant. We know that prophets were people who claimed to be speaking on behalf of Yahweh. But then also in the pagan religions, this is true, Balaam was seen as a pagan prophet. We also know, though, that from what we see going back to Genesis chapter 1, that God is a speaking God. And when He speaks in both creation and in His redemption through the prophets, through the Messiah, through the apostles, when God speaks... Life comes out. Flourishing comes out. Can I just put it out there to you that as we see this here, that John is saying there are many false prophets. Just know chaos and shalom are in, hanging in the balance here. Just know that when he's saying there's many people who are telling lies about Jesus, In telling lies about Jesus, they're also spreading chaos into the hearts and lives of the people hearing them and taking their bait hook, line, and sinker. For us to be a people whose faith is assured, whose faith is discerning, we got to know what's at stake here. What's at stake here is the difference between a world full of chaos or a world full of truth and flourishing and life. 
And so at this point, it's just natural to think, well, then what, what is this test? How do we participate with God's Spirit, not just given to us, not just dwelling in us, but discerning through us? How do we participate with Him in that? And that's where He goes next in verses 2 and 3. Check that out with me. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. When I was growing up, I was Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Any growing up Catholic folks here in the house? Yeah? A few of you? Okay. So then maybe you can relate. I, growing up, had to endure going to this thing every week that um, even just the word, I'm still kind of recovering from the, the trigger. <laughs> catechism. Catechism. And every week at Catholic catechism class, We learned about just these summary statements of what we believed. It was just like these short statements of belief, which we call what? Confessions. And then as my journey continued on and and I really came to just understand the gospel, to believe in Jesus, to start following him, I came to find that this catechism I endured and these confessions that I learned They were not unique to just being Catholic. Every tradition in the Christian faith has some form of a catechism, which we call also discipleship. Every healthy tradition within the Christian faith has a confession look it up on almost any website of any church. Not just a catechism, but also a confession. And here, John is telling us to consider the confession because in the confession we'll see the catechism, the discipleship, the one who's being followed here. And I just want us to know one thing. Notice the comparison of the two confessions. In verse 2, we see the first confession. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Note that, okay? And then compare it to this next confession. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus. You see the difference there? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and then every spirit that does not confess Jesus. What's going on there? It's almost like what John is saying to us here is this. To have a conversation about a Jesus that did not come in the flesh is to not have a conversation about the Jesus I'm talking about here. A conversation about the true Jesus, the true Messiah, is to have a conversation about God becoming a human being. And for some people in the first generation of the Jesus movement, this did not meet their preferences. This did not meet their expectations. They might have meant well, 
But often, some of our biggest mistakes we make are when our intentions are at their best. Is that not true? Some of the biggest mistakes we make can be when we often mean the best. Can I just ask you, when it comes to your discernment process, what's the categories you're sifting through? A couple that just came to my mind earlier as I was considering this text is, as you think about what's true and what's false, is one of your categories this. It's compelling. It's compelling. When you think about how you discern, how you wrestle through what's true and what's false, what's from God, what's not from God, is a category that comes to mind, it was thought through. It was well done. What about this one? When you think about categories, you're processing what's from God, what's not from God, what's true, what's false. It's sincere. The reality is, none of those are biblical. None of those are central. You can take them if, you know, it's nice to have them as cherries on top. Nice to have a thought through message. It's nice to have something compelling. It's nice to have something sincere. But John is so interested in more than just something that's compelling, thought through, or sincere. The interest, the interest John has his focus on is a question that was similar to the question Jesus asked him and the other disciples as they were following him around during his three-year journey and ministry with them. Who do you say that I am? Similar to the question Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? John is giving us instruction. John is implying that we ask, who do you say Jesus is and how he came to us? Who do you say Jesus is and how do you say he came to us? The reality is, a conversation about the Messiah that does not include him being God in human form is not a conversation about the Messiah at all. We need an incarnate Messiah. The first Adam that got us here in the first place through rebellion, through selfish ambition, through jealousy to be like God, that first Adam was a human in flesh. We needed a second Adam to come as a human in flesh to get right on earth what we got wrong in the garden. We needed another Adam to get right here what we got wrong back there. Don't just tell me who you say Jesus is. Tell me how you say he came into this world. When we consider this test, we can start to see 
that this is something that's just out of our league. It's like, I think about my bride, Jacqueline. Tom, you and I, we talk about this all the time. We just outkicked our coverage, man. We needed something outside of ourselves to be able to land the brides we landed. In the same way, and that much more, we need someone and something outside of our capabilities to walk down the aisle of not just believing anything and everything because it's thought through, compelling, and sincere, but we also need somebody outside of ourselves to not be over here where we need to put an asterisk to everything we read in Scripture, everything we hear in a sermon, everything we pray, if we even pray at all. We need someone outside of ourselves to keep us from naivety and cynicism. We need someone outside of ourselves to walk down the path of being spiritually discerning. And this is where John takes us next to give us that assurance, the same assurance he's already given us. Here, not just the echo but the expansion, the echo of what he's already said in his words of assurance, but then also hear the expansion. We can't get into everything here in the last few verses, but what we can get into is this, the echo and expansion of the assurance you and I need to step into the game of being a people who are discerning. Check this out, verses 4 through 6. Little children, I love it. You are from God and have overcome them. Just a fun fact about the Greek word underneath the English word overcome. It's nikao. Where we get the word Nike from. Overcome. Overcome. Just do it. <laughs> kind of fun. I don't know. A little nerdy. You have overcome them. And here's just this incredible expansion. He who is in you, hear the echo there. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The echo and the expansion. The echo he's saying here. God is in us and we know this. We know God is abiding in us by the Spirit whom He has given to us. He who is in you. And then there's the expansion. He who is in you is greater. Far more superior. Yes, there is a world full of an antichrist and full of antichrists. They're not on your team. They are the opponent. And they're going to do everything they can to keep you either in cynicism or in spiritual naivety. Because cynicism and being naive are both just two different expressions of a faith that's not assured. To the degree that you and I are not assured in our faith, we will either be cynical or naive, but to the degree that we take hold of this, 
That the Spirit of God, present in creation, bringing chaos into shalom, that same God, that same Spirit in us, is capable of helping us walk the path of faith to discern, not in order to be assured, but to walk the path of discernment because we have been assured. You see the difference. One is trying to get to this place of assurance and never gets there. And so, it chooses either cynicism or being naive. But when we come from a place of already being assured that we've got the spirit of the living God, not just given to us, not just dwelling in us, but also discerning through us. We can come out and into the aisle of discernment as people participating with the Spirit of God who is greater than any force, any voice, any message, any spirit that is inspiring, anything that might come our way to try to deviate us to a place of approving what is not from God. Does this mean we're going to get it right all the time? No. And here's why. The path of discernment is a path of dependence. The moments when I find that my discernment goes south, it's the moments that if I'm being honest, I was not living dependently upon God. But this also means something else, that in the moments when I'm depending on the Spirit of God in me to discern what's from God, what's not not from God, what's true, what's false. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be just great. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be awesome. Remember, in another piece of literature, God inspired John to write, He quotes Jesus as saying, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have what? Overcome the world. And then within 24 hours, he was dead. We overcome not by crushing our enemies. We overcome sometimes by being crushed by our enemies. That takes discernment. Discernment to keep us from just going down the path of being naive. It takes discernment to keep us from the path of saying, you know what? Not going to ever let that happen again. And you go down the path of cynicism. You have overcome them. Sometimes, overcoming the world looks like losing in this world. Sometimes it means you turn the other cheek. Sometimes it means you pray for the person that just absolutely road rage cussed you out. Sometimes it means you unsubscribe to the podcast, to the email list, to the newsletter. That might be entertaining. It might be insightful. 
but it also is doing nothing to cultivate in you greater assurance, greater discernment in the life of faith after Jesus. And so, as we just consider this great assurance we have that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Here's where I want to land this thing. Some of you right now, on your phones, in your podcast app, you know you're listening to stuff that it ain't from God. It's not in step with the fruit of the Spirit. It's not in step with seeing other human beings as created in the image of God. And oh, by the way, the image of the unseen God being Jesus. Some of you today have a choice to make. And I want to give you this encouragement today. The one thing I want all of us to do is consider the one thing we need to unsubscribe, but then fill in that space with something to which we are subscribing. Maybe you spend a lot of time listening to a podcast. Maybe you spend a lot of time vegging out on TikTok. Maybe you spend a lot of time reading books by an author you know just isn't coming from the corner of Jesus. My encouragement to you today is unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. But then what do you do with the empty space? Maybe this looks like a change in your morning routine. Maybe the first thing you look at isn't social media. Maybe the first thing you listen to isn't the radio. Maybe the first thing you're watching isn't turning on the TV or the news. Maybe the first thing you're doing is after you get your mission critical two or three cups of coffee in you. Maybe it looks like going simply for a walk in stillness, in silence before your God. Maybe it looks like taking even just 15 minutes, reading one chapter a day from the Scriptures, reading and praying through a psalm a day. Maybe it looks like taking just a moment to slowly Meet with your Father in heaven with the words Jesus taught us to pray to him. Maybe it looks like pursuing a relationship. Maybe it looks like walking away from a relationship. My question for you today is this. What do you need to unsubscribe from? And what is it that you need to subscribe to? I'm not now just talking literally, but figuratively. What's your unsubscribe button look like? What's your subscribe button look like? We began with just this idea that we all love so much talking about taking tests and their value of giving us a chance to be able to see not just how we measure up, but how others and other things measure up. We saw The two different patterns in Scripture that sometimes God tests His people, but then also sometimes people test God. And in our text today, a shift in the pattern happens. A third way where God calls His people to partner with Him in not just testing and discerning spirits, 
by testing and discerning them, partnering with him in subduing chaos and cultivating flourishing. What I'm trying to say to you is this. An assured faith is a discerning faith. And a discerning faith is a dependent faith. And a dependent faith is a faith that flourishes. And when our faith flourishes, it spills out into a life that cultivates the flourishing of one another. All throughout John's letter, that imperative is repeated. Love one another, love one another, love one another. When we come from a place of assurance, we can be a people of discernment because we're people who are dependent on the Spirit of God who through us cultivates the flourishing and renewal of the world. Let's take a moment just to pray. And then we'll continue on in our worship. It's just an incredible thing, Father, that we can even talk to you right now. And to know that you hear us and that you are so eager to respond to us. And I just pray right now, Father, that your spirit would be doing work in us so that you would be pleased to do work through us and beyond us, I pray. Fill us with a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. Help us, Father, identify what it is you may be figuratively or literally calling us to unsubscribe from and what it is that's from you. You're calling us to subscribe to. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that's willing to trust and obey. Not because we're so good, but because Christ is so good. It's in his name I pray, Father. Amen.